We begin our show with the prayer of consecration given to us by Pope Francis for the 25th of March, 2022. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Mary, Mother of God, and our Mother, in this time of trial, we turn to you. As our Mother, you love us and you know us. No concern of our hearts is hidden from you. Mother of mercy, how often we have experienced your watchful care and your peaceful presence. You never cease to guide us to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Yet we have strayed from that path of peace. We have forgotten the lesson learned from tragedies of the last century, the sacrifice of millions who fell in two world wars. We have disregarded the commitments we made as communities of nations. We have betrayed people's dreams of peace and the hopes of the young. We grew sick with greed. We thought only of our own nation and of their interests. We chose indifference and we were caught up in our selfish needs and concerns. We chose to ignore God, to be satisfied with our illusions, to grow arrogant and aggressive, to suppress innocent lives and stockpile weapons. We stop being our neighbor's keeper and stewards of our common home. We have ravaged the garden of earth with war, and by our sins we have broken the heart of our heavenly Father who desires us to love as brothers and sisters. We have grown indifferent to everything except ourselves, and now with shame we cry out, forgive us, Lord. Holy Mother, amid the misery of our sinfulness, amid the struggles and weaknesses, amid the mystery of iniquity that is evil and more, you remind us that God never abandons us, but continues to look upon us with love, ever ready to forgive us and raise us to new life. He has given you to us and made your immaculate heart a refuge for the church and for all humanity. By God's gracious will, you are ever with us, even in the most troubled moments of our history. You are there to guide us with tender love. We now turn to you. We knock at the door of your heart. We are your beloved children, and in every age you make yourself known to us, calling us to conversion. At this dark hour, help us and grant us your comfort. Say to us once more, am I not here, I who am your mother? You are able to untie the knots of our hearts and of our times in your prayers which place our trust. We are confident that, especially in moments of trial, you will not be deaf to our supplication and will come to our aid. That is what you did at Cana in Galilee when you interceded with Jesus and he worked the first of his signs. To preserve the joy of the wedding feast, you said to him, they have no wine. Now, Mother, repeat those words and that prayer for in our day, we have run out of the wine of hope. Joy has fled, fraternity has faded. We've forgotten our humanity and squandered the gift of your peace. We opened our hearts to violence and destructiveness, how greatly we need your maternal help. Therefore, O oh Mother, hear our prayer. Starve the sea, do not let us be shipwrecked in the tempest of war. Ark of the new covenant, inspire projects and paths of reconciliation. Queen of heaven, restore God's peace to the world, eliminate hatred and the thirst for revenge. Teach us forgiveness. Free us from war. Protect our world from the menace of nuclear weapons. Queen of the Rosary, make us realize our need to pray and to love. Queen of the human family, show the people the path of fraternity. Queen of peace, obtain peace for our world. Well, Mother, may your sorrowful plea stir our hardened hearts. May the tears you shed for us make this valley parched by our hatred blossom anew. Amid the thunder of weapons and war, may your prayer turn our thoughts to peace. May your maternal touch soothe those who suffer and flee from the rain of bombs. May your motherly embrace comfort those forced to leave their homes and their native land. And may your sorrowful heart move us to compassion and inspire us to open our doors to care for our brothers and sisters who are injured and tossed aside. Holy Mother, as you stood beneath the cross, Jesus, seeing the disciple at your feet, said, Behold your son. In this way, he entrusted each of us to you. To the disciple and to each of us, he said, Behold your mother. 
Mother Mary, we now desire to welcome you into our lives and our history. At this hour, a weary and distraught humanity stands with you beneath the cross, needing to entrust itself to you and, through you, to consecrate itself to Christ. The people of Ukraine and Russia who venerate you with great love now turn to you even as your heart beats with compassion for them and for all the people decimated by war, hunger, injustice, and poverty. Therefore, Mother of God and our Mother, to your immaculate heart, we solemnly entrust and consecrate ourselves, the Church, and all humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine. Accept this act that we carry out with confidence and love. Grant that war may end and peace spread throughout the world. The fiat that arose from your heart opened the doors of history to the Prince of Peace, and we trust that through your heart, peace will dawn once more. To you, we consecrate the future of the whole human family, the needs and expectations of every people, the anxieties and the hopes of the world. Through your intercession, May God's mercy be poured out on the earth and the gentle rhythm of peace return to mark our days. Our Lady of the Fiat, on whom the Holy Spirit descended, restore among us the harmony that comes from God. May you, our living fountain of hope, water the dryness of our hearts. In your womb, God took flesh. Help us to foster the growth of communion. You once trod the streets of our world, now lead us to paths of peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now I say I just jump in. What do you say? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today is at some point in March, and I think it's 2022. I have no idea. March 25th. What is it? 25th. March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation. Yep. And for the Catholics who are watching us, that means that Mary's yes to God not only gave us Jesus, but today it gives us bacon. <laughs> yes. You can eat bacon for Christ today. Do you know about this? Catholics don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent, but if it's a special Friday, we get to eat meat. So today, bacon for Jesus. Yes. A friend of mine called and she said her husband won't let her, let her eat bacon. He won't <gasps> eat meat today. And I said, but then he's not honoring the feast. Why does she he said, hate God and America? Yeah. All we need to know from this man is why he hates God and America. But uh, we're fired up today. I got to start off right away with an update. I talked to Dr. A. A. Ron, and he assured me that's the first time he's ever heard that joke about his name. That was funny. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be totally honest. He's heard it a lot. <laughs> But anyway, we talked over, let's see, FaceTime, Zoom, Google Meet, and then we used a series of messenger pigeons. And in the end, what we found out is if there is a way to record our meeting and show it to you, none of us know it. <laughs> and what we found out yeah. is Chuck has to give us more money to get a Zoom that allows us to... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Chuck's pay is getting cut. Uh, I already cut Carrie's pay in half. Uh, so what's half of zero? Yeah, that's where she is now. But anyway, yeah, no, we couldn't figure out a way to make it work. But here's the good news. I met with Dr. A.A. Ron uh, for at least an hour today. And we both geeked out. I actually felt bad for Carrie. We achieved some sort of loser geek critical mass. I was the electron. He was the proton. I don't even know if that's how it works. And is it even a protron or is it a proton? Proton. Is there, okay. So he was the proton and I was the electron and we made fission. We discussed European history, Israeli history, and European history and Israeli history. And then we followed it up with a vigorous discussion on European history and Israeli history. It was glorious. I love this man. Uh, so he will be on the show at some point. We're just going to figure out how to do it. And in the meantime, he did answer some of my questions. And uh, I think he's helped me with some of yours. But what I'll encourage you to do is if you have more questions on Ukraine and Russia, 
send those puppies in and Dr. A.A. Ron said he will help us out. That joke is not getting old. Do you know this? It's probably old to you. Yeah. Um, and oh, special thanks to the hot dog stand. Because today, just for something different, I had two hot dogs and a bag of chips. Um, and I haven't had that since our last show <laughs> yesterday. True story. I also had it Wednesday <laughs> and Tuesday and Monday. The hot dog stand is open. But what she did, besides serving the delectable delights that are the hot dog stand uh, fair, she gave Marius a hot dog. Oh. This means he is going to puke today. <laughs> and you know what? I don't care. We got to eat hot dogs together. So uh, what we're gonna do today is take a look at his answer to some of our questions. I just gotta change the screen because I have no technical prowess. So let's do it now. So first you may remember, I asked, what do they mean by Galileans? I said, is that just Ukrainian speaking uh, people in Ukraine? And he said, no, because he's mean. <laughs> uh, he did say I was pronouncing it rightly. You may remember, I was freaked out. Is it a hard C? Is it a classic? Le was that the dog or was that you? <laughs> Chuck's here and the dog made something for us. We're all gonna die. Okay, so here's what he said. Now as to what Galicia actually is, it is a historical and geographic region spanning what is now southeastern Poland and western Ukraine. There's a ton of history behind the term, but the long and short of it is uh, it was incorporated into the Austrian Empire after being divvied up between Russia and Austria. So he was referring to Ukrainians who aren't Russian, but he was using a historical term that comes from the 1300s. Those wacky, wacky Russians. Okay, so then I uh, talked about how uh, Kivan Rus, right? Remember, we started the whole thing with the Vikings coming down and conquering all of what we call Europe and establishing Kivan Rus, which was the first appearance of Russia, Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine. Why do I always say Ukraine? Do you know? Does anyone know? Sounds good. Was it called that in the. No? I'm just not bright. Okay, so Rus, he said, I got it right. Rus is a word that means people with red hair, which is what the Europeans called Vikings. It's a big misnomer. A lot of people think red hair came from Ireland. No, that was a gift of the Vikings who, shall we say, gave it to Ireland. Let me just say this, oops. So uh, ethnic groups, Slavs, are the people from Central and Eastern Europe, and they do trace their lineage to the Vikings. Uh, the, they called the Vikings Rus, which just means red because of their hair. Next question, I asked him, are Slovaks Slavs? Isn't that funny? And celery, I wanna put the word celery in there. Slovak, slaver, okay. <laughs> we can divide Slavs, this is from Dr. Aaron, into three subgroups based on geography and language. Western Slavs are the countries of Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, okay? Eastern Slavs are Russian, Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine, while Southern Slavs are the countries in the Balkans, like Yugoslavia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia, Bulgaria, North Macedonia, Montenegro, and Slovenia. I think I got them all. Okay. Uh, Slovakia has a geographic link to Ukraine because during the first Czechoslovakian Republic, the Eastern part of the country, anyway, I don't know. I love this stuff and I geek out, so I'll stop. He also had a few books to recommend for those of us who are history losers, okay? First one he recommends is, quote, Balkan Ghosts, A Journey Through History by Robert Kaplan. Okay, and what this is, is it helps us understand the ethnic uh, uh, and deep, tra huh? I mean, pardon? Sorry, Balkan Ghosts, what? Uh, a Journey Through History okay. by Bob Jenkins. Do you think she's gonna fall for it? No. It was Robert Kaplan. <coughs> when you're ready, I'll give you the second one. Okay, Natasha's Dance. It's a cultural history of Russia. And then do you guys remember yesterday, or whenever I talked about it, that I talked about how the bloodiest battlefield in World War II was Ukraine. 
right? Remember, the Germans came in, promised Ukrainians liberation from Stalin. Stalin had, at that point, killed 13%, no, 17% of the Ukrainian population. So when the Germans came in and said, hey, join us to fight Stalin, they were like, all in. Then the Germans, of course, betrayed and butchered the Ukrainians, and what was it, 2.5 million, I believe? And then they joined Stalin's Red Army and pushed the Nazis out. Um, so that whole time in history, a book about that called Bloodlands, one word, Bloodlands, Europe between Hitler and Stalin. That's another recommendation. Am I driving you nuts? There's one more book after this. Okay. And then the final book, Red Famine. Okay. And that's when I taught you about Hit, uh, what's his butt, uh, Stalin's forced famine of Ukraine, where he starved the Ukrainians out so that he could make room to bring in ethnic Russians. 7.5 million Russians Stalin moved in after he starved out the Ukrainians. And that's why, like, Crimea, remember that whole thing about the Crimean Peninsula? Uh, that's why there's so many Russians there, because Stalin put them there after he killed all the Ukrainians. Stalin was really a sweet guy. You know, it's one of those things where at judgment, you just assume he got one of those, brah. You know what I mean? Just brah. Do you think he got a shot here? Like in hell. Well, anyway, okay. So these wonderful answers were provided for us, uh, virtue of Dr. Aaron, who is going to help us in the future, he said. And I'm pretty geeked out. He's a Midwesterner, so he's our tribe. And uh, he's lived over there for 16 years, I believed. And he teaches at uh, the university there in Czechoslovakia. So, uh, and he's an Israeli uh, expert as well. And that's where I truly, like, I almost asked him to marry me. <laughs> I don't even like men. <laughs> Should I not have said that? Let's just move on. We'll move on. <laughs> So, okay, so let's get to your questions now. And if there are questions about the Ukrainian-Russian, well, Russian aggression, let's call it what it is, then if I can't answer them, I'll save them for Dr. Aaron. Okay, so the first question, can we really eat meat today? Yes, yes, yes. Let me say it backward. Sieh. Is that, I don't know how you would say it backward. Yeah, that sounds good. Wasn't it a Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson song? Seriously, say, say, say what you want, but don't play games. I can't believe I remember this. With my faction. Words and God and stuff. Okay, so yes, you can eat meat today. It is a feast day. You can fast on feast days. It's just not recommended. So like for me, when I was a smoker, I gave up smoking at Lent. And I knew if I smoked on a feast day, that was done. So I didn't smoke on feast days if I could avoid it. And by could avoid it, I mean if I could cowboy up. Does that make sense? So if you choose to fast because you know not fasting will break whatever uh, thing you've built up, yeah, go for it. But otherwise, celebrate. It's a good day today. Mary said yes to God and we got Jesus. And if you haven't figured out, Jesus is fairly to partly cloudy important. The whole save the world thing. Okay. I am curious why white was warned for the Annunciation being lent where most saint days during. The okay, I get it. The question is, why did we wear white this morning? During Lent, on most saint days, we wore purple. Uh, so just do a little divider in your head, okay? There's memorials and Johnson, Smith, Jones. I can't remember the other word. There's memorials and commendations, I think. Commemorations. There's memorials and commemorations. Those Lent trumps the feast day, meaning you can pray the collect. That's the opening prayer. Uh, and you wear purple. That's how you say it if you're a priest in Boston. You wear purple. Okay. But when it's a major feast, like St. Joseph, we wore red or white. Okay. And Mama, we wear white. So I think those are the only two major feasts during Lent this year. I'll double check. Uh, but so that's the deal. When it's memorials or commendations, we do wear the color purple because of Prince and Lent. We celebrate Prince. We're going to let that one go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to let the Prince joke go. Okay. You love Prince. I love Prince.
prints. Have I ever showed them my collection? No, that would be amazing. Someday I should show you guys. This is actually true. I'm not kidding. I have every CD prints ever made. I just, I just think some of your bootlegged stuff maybe you shouldn't show. Yeah, I do have some of the illegal ones. Like in the early 90s, you may remember, he was in that contract dispute with Sony. And I bought two CDs out of the back of a car in St. Paul, Minnesota. That's a true story. <laughs> Did I tell you about Matt Burke meeting Prince? No. Are you serious? True. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, we're going to have Matt Burke on the show pretty soon, I think at the end of the month. Matt Burke was an offensive lineman for Harvard, and then he played in the NFL. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Good dude. He goes around and gives talk to Catholics, and he's just a good dude. And uh, he and I have been hanging out for a few years now. And when he found out I love Prince, he did not like me as much. Okay, uh, but be this as it may, he told me a story about meeting Prince. This is a true story, okay? So he was at court in St. Paul, Minnesota. I don't know why. Let's not ask Matt any follow-up questions on that one, okay? But the judge calls the name for Prince. But of course, it was his birth name, which I can never remember. I can never remember his birth name. Oh, you're gonna look it up? Well, yeah, Chuck's not on it, I am. Are you looking it up? Uh -huh. Chuck is not serving as my lovely research assistant today, so Carrie, who's drunk, is looking it up right now. Prince Rogers Nelson. Yeah. Rogers Nelson, that's it. So his real name is Rogers Nelson. So the judge calls up Roger Nelson, and up gets Prince, all five foot three of him, who nances up to the stand, and the judge says to him, what is it you do? Because the judge was intrigued by everyone snapping pictures. And this was Prince's answer. Ready? I feel a beat. I lay it down. <laughs> yes. He's a god among men. Can you imagine the judge? This is what, you got to hear Burke tell the story because Matt's got that, Matt's got that voice. And it's about three levels deeper than mine. But I feel a beat. I lay it down. <laughs> What if he had that on a card? Yeah, that's what I want. I want that on my business card. Father Joe, I see a sacrament, I lay it down. <laughs> Has everybody left? <laughs> no, are people still watching? They're like, the prayer part was nice, fat boy. We're out of here, you know? All right. Uh, so keep those questions coming, because right now as I look at the list, it's all Ukraine and Russia questions. We're happy to do Jesus stuff here. I oh. work for the guy. Oh, it's down at below. Oh, it's down, yep. it's down at your bottom. Okay. Uh, right about this here. Are you concerned about North Korea? <laughs> Ish? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I yeah. mean, it, with the I think they were getting at the unrest. It's kind of a Ukraine-Russia question. Oh, sure. Well, it's all a mess, right? But what you can count on is China's going to keep North Korea in line for a very simple reason. If, what's they called? North Korea does something to prompt a war, China has to get involved. China does not want to get into a war. Right, despite what you know, the paranoid people in our political system will tell you, uh, war is expensive, uh, and it rarely accomplishes what you're hoping for. China gets that better than we do. They've been fighting wars since, well, longer than us. Okay, uh, I got two words for you, Mongols. Okay, um, did you find that funny? Yes. Thank you, Chuck. I'm raising your pay. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, I worry about North Korea in the sense of he's starving his people to death. He's a dictator. They have uh, death camps. Uh, in a country that has enough money to build nukes, people are dying of hunger. About 70% of the population is estimated to be malnourished. What the hey? So, yeah, I'm concerned about the people there because they're God's kids. Uh, I don't think they're going to start something they can't finish. And I can't imagine what they think they can finish. Uh, especially with Japan just a little bit away. Okay. Um, okay. Where are we? Oh, the way at the top again. Oh. Okay. See, Carrie's moving things, and it's really, really hard for me. Pray. <laughs> I suffer. Oh, how I suffer. Okay. Where and how can I learn to pray like Father Joe? Uh, kindergarten. <laughs> I'm seven. No, I, you know what? The key to me in prayer, like, I read you Pope Francis's prayer, and I'll be honest. It's a little long for my taste. Yeah. My prayer would have been simpler. God, things bad, come help. Amen. Yeah. But what do you do? Uh, I try to talk to God 
from the heart, right? Like, so, you know, at the end of the show, I say, Lord, um, there's people we carry in our heart that we worry about. Sometimes I don't mean, I'm a very emotional dude. And sometimes it's hard not to cry when I say that because I'm thinking of specific people. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I can't hide anything from God. So, so I just try to give it to him, right? We're free will creatures. God will not act on what we don't give him. So I try to give him everything, not so he becomes aware of it, but so that he has my permission to move. You get me? Um, thank you. That's a very nice thing to say. I do. I, I love to pray. Uh, although today I was a disaster. Did you hear my homily this morning? I legit felt bad for Jesus in my morning prayer. I was a wreck, huh? It was good. It was a good oh. homily. Oh, the homily I felt good about, but it was funny. My prayer time this morning, I couldn't make noise to God. I was like reading the Psalms. I'm just kidding. P is silent, like in pterodactyl. But I was praying the Psalms, and I would like all of a sudden realize I've gone a page, and I have no idea what I just read. And I was zoning out and spacing out, and I felt like a train wreck. And finally, I just said, Lord, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, this is what I got today. And I know that's the gift the Lord offers. He knows what I've got, and he'll take it. And I always use that image, right? Like the kids who draw pictures for their mom and they're objectively ugly pictures, yeah? Uh, but mom puts them on the fridge because she's not looking for fine art. She's looking for a pure expression of love. The kid didn't draw the picture to be an artist. He drew the picture to tell mom he loves him. Yeah? And that's us. That's you and me every day. God, whatever I got, I'm gonna give to you. And I know he's gonna stick it to the fridge as long as it was my best, yeah? Okay. Recently, a friend and I were discussing suffering. Ooh, uh, you're a Lions fan? I feel you. Uh, she used the term unnecessary suffering. Is there such a thing as unnecessary suffering? Or is all suffering worthwhile since it can be united to Christ's suffering on the cross? Well, there is necessary suffering. We have to suffer. It's the only way to grow. You and I who are broken people in a broken world are incapable of growth without pain. Uh, and so, like, I, I know I say this a lot, but we just try to keep this in our head. Suffering is not the enemy. I don't like it. I don't pray for suffering. And if I can, I'll flee like it's a crime scene. But once we recognize we are in a time of suffering, it is so helpful and good to say, this is the only way to grow. Yeah, learn the lessons. Don't try to get out of the suffering. Try to enter it with all your heart. Learn what you gotta learn. Let it make you more compassionate, less judgmental. Let it make you a little tougher. Let it make you a little more aware of the unnecessary suffering, which is suffering we cause because we're stupid. Yeah, and I have a lot of those. Um, those moments where you and I put our guard down and we make a dumb decision um, it's unnecessary suffering in the sense of it didn't have to happen that way. But what's cool is Jesus meets us there too. <laughs> there's nothing he's going to abandon. Uh, so there's suffering we cause. There's sufferings that other cause, others cause us. And there's suffering that happens just because the world is hard. I think the suffering we cause is unnecessary. But as you said, God can make it necessary. Right? Jesus, I join my pain to yours. I'll help you save the world. St. John, or what's his butt? St. Paul, right? Uh, in my body, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. So that's what we do. We say to God, this suffering, whether I made it or whether it happened to me, Jesus, I'm going to join you in your suffering. Because remember, the cross didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. God is outside of linear time. The cross is happening right now. And we can join him. Yeah? I love that. So in a sense, I get you. There is unnecessary suffering, but God can make it all necessary. So that our suffering isn't just an exercise in pain, but it actually has salvific importance. Isn't that cool? This is how much you're loved. He didn't just enter the good stuff of our lives. He entered the worst. You die? Okay, then I'll die. Yeah. Yay. God's good at his job. He can keep it. I know he's worried. He was waiting for my approval. I drank an obscene amount of coffee today. I did. I was in trouble. Like at 11, I said to Kiri, I'm actually going to fall asleep sitting in my chair. 
And so I made like a 55-gallon drum of coffee. Okay, why did God flood the earth in the time of Noah? I always read it was because the Israelites married into other tribes and worshipped other gods. I've heard other reasons, which is true. Well, the, the idea we're supposed to take away from that is that whatever the scenario, things got really messed up. Yeah, um, They weren't Israelites yet. Okay, They weren't Jews yet. They were just dudes. Uh, Judaism doesn't really come until Abraham. So if that's helpful... Uh, to think of it that way, this was simply a time. It, what 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 we're supposed to see in the story of Noah is that uh, a couple key things. Okay, evil destroys. That's what it does. It has no other weapon. You get me? Evil is limited to power. Think of it that way. Um, that it cannot create. It can only pervert, corrupt, destroy. So. When the devil uh, drove Jesus to the cross, he knew that was going to end him. You get that, right? Well, then why did the devil do it? Because he can't not. He can't not destroy. That's all he knows how to do. He, you know that old saying where they say, what is it? If your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's got one tool. Um, destruction. So we're supposed to take from it that the fruit of sin is death. When we sin, it creates darkness, and the fruit of that is destruction. We're supposed to see the flood like the waters of baptism, right? A washing away the sin and giving us a pristine new earth in our hearts. And then in God hanging the rainbow in the sky, remember that at the end? That, that's the term in Hebrew for when you hang your bow in a time of peace. So God ended, as he said, right at the end of Genesis, or at the end of Noah, I'll never do this again. And he hung his bow, meaning he's not going to war anymore. But what else did he do when he hung his bow, right? You see it in the sky, the rainbow? He pointed the arrow at himself. He was prophesying his death, that one day I'll take the arrow. I'll take the arrow to the heart. Does this make sense? Okay, that's what we draw from Noah, okay? Uh, are the Galatians in 2 Maccabees 820 the people from Ukraine? Nope, uh, uh, Galatia was a city in Rome. Um, oh, excuse me, that's a good question. I, I, I apologize. But at this point, 2 Maccabees, just second. So you're 200 years before Christ. The Vikings coming down from the north was 800. So it was 1,000 years later before the Vikings came down. Uh, from Scandinavia primarily at that point. But the Galatians re referred to Galatia, a city. Okay. Um, yeah. Is that how? Yeah. yeah. Geographically, I'm trying to think of where it is. I want to say Turkey, but don't quote me. If my lovely research assistant was paying attention, he could be looking. Oh, hey, Chuck, I see you're looking. Isn't that great? No, would you look up Galatia, G-A-L-A-T-I-A? I think it's in what we call Turkey now, but don't quote me. And if it's right, we can gobble it up. Yes. Yeah. Modern Turkey. Is it? It's in modern Turkey. Okay. As is Tarsus, right, where Saul's from, right? We always see Saul or Paul, St. Paul, as a white dude. He was Turkish. Yeah. Any difference between blessed holy water and blessed salt? Uh, yeah. Technically, the salt isn't blessed. If I may be so bold, there's blessed water, which is where a priest might say over water, uh, I bless you in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. What you might be referring to is exercised salt, okay? Exercised salt and water, it's a mixture that priests will make. Um, and why? Because the salt will make the water stay longer, right? When we sprinkle it around the house. And um, yeah, if you get a if you get to pick, go with exercised water and salt. That's, uh, spiritually, that's a very potent, huh? Exercise salt and water. Yeah, mixed together. Yeah. Yeah, like that's what I carry in my bag. Yeah? So here's my happy bag. Yes? And inside it is my happy pocket with all, with all my Jesus stuff in it. So I've got my beard. There it is. Okay, so this... It's exercised water and salt. So I did a prayer of exorcism over the salt and the water, mixed them together, gave it a little, you know. And now when I bless stuff, it, 
I don't know how to explain it. I, I guess because we have to. So you exercise both. You yeah. Exercise the salt and the water. Yeah. Okay. And and it's a long prayer. It is. You've been there. Have any of you been there when I do it? It's a longy, but it's beautiful. And it's a clear thing, right? Every one of these, we remember spiritually we're at war. We're always at war. And this is one of our weapons that exercise salt and water. Uh, you could say kind of, I'm anthropomorphizing here. Okay. I'm making human words for a divine reality, but, um, it's not a, like almost like a smell they don't, evil doesn't want to be around. It's a very strong form of spiritual protection. It's not magic. We don't do magic. We surrender it all to the Lord. Magic means if I do this, God does that. If I do this, evil does that. It doesn't work that way. You're not that powerful. But this is part of the process of invoking God's protection and, and goodness. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Whew. How does one pray for the disgusting monster Putin? I made a bad joke. I almost made a bad joke. Yeah. I did. I like praying for a... Okay, yeah. Chuck, enough. Grow up. Uh, no, I get you, right? When Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for your persecutors, I hate that he said that. Right? I do. I wish he would have said, yeah, hate those jerks. But he doesn't. Why? Because while we hated him and were killing him, he was dying for us. He doesn't just tell us what to do. He shows us how to do it. And what I urge you to remember, seriously, it's not about how you feel. You cannot help your feelings. You don't have to feel happy butterflies about uh, Vladimir Putin. Love is not a feeling. If it's a feeling, then no marriage will ever work. The feeling goes away in year two. Right. But what stays is, I love this. C.S. Lewis said it. It's love is a steady commitment to the other. Right. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Okay. Um, it is a commitment that uh, it drives us here. So in a sense, don't worry about your feelings about Putin. If you felt warm fuzzies for him, we'd probably get you to seek some help. Uh, but what you can do is say to the Lord, get him to heaven today. Uh, was that out loud? <laughs> no, uh, that's what, like, you know, I've shared this with you. People who've deeply hurt me in my past, I pray, Lord, save them, get them to heaven, heal their wounds that caused my wounds. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Um, yeah. Does that, does that yes. help? Okay. Um, you know, I'm going to go to the hell question. Does that work? Yep. Okay. My brain is screwy today. And some of these questions I read and I think, I will do a bad job. Okay. Father Joe, that's me. I have a question. Oops. I deleted too many. See, you put too many spaces in there, Carrie, so I fixed it. Fixed it. Yeah. Do you see why God didn't want me to have children, everyone? Do you see why this happened? Okay, Father Joe, I have a question that's been bothering me lately as I read the Apostles' Creed. So for those of you not familiar, we have a couple creeds. There's the Nicene Creed, which is the longer, more detailed one. Um, and then there's the Apostles' Creed, which is a little punchier and short. The, punch, the Apostles' Creed is older. It predates the legalization of Christianity. Christianity was made legal in 325 A.D. No, 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 no. I always do that. The creed was finished in 325 A.D., the Nicene Creed, in the city of Nicaea. Uh, Christianity was made legal 318, somewhere around 321, I want to say, but don't quote me. The Apostles' Creed was written before that. Um, and it's a little punchier, shorter. I lean toward it because that's the one we pray in the rosary. And this little redneck brain can keep one creed straight. So anyway, in the Apostles' Creed, there's a line that says he descended into hell. Was that always in the creed or when the church changed the wording and responses in several years back was this line added? I skip over the line when saying this by memory and every time I read it, I have questions. Like one, Jesus went to hell. Two, does this mean we all go to hell first, like in purgatory? Three, did Jesus die on the cross and take our sin with him to absolve us all from our sin? Okay. 
We use the word hell specifically to refer to the domain of Satan. That's not traditionally how the word was used. It's evolved. The word was Hades, the underworld. Uh, the word in Hebrew was Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. And what it is, is this place where everyone who died waited. And what were they waiting for? The Messiah. So my friend, uh, my friends who are Jewish believe that when they die, they go to Sheol. And what are they waiting for? When the Messiah comes, he'll call them all forth and judge them. And then it's heaven or hell. Am I making sense so far? So that's what the creed refers to. In the second book of Peter, it flat out says in there that Jesus went down to hell and preached to the souls there and that they followed him then up to the kingdom of heaven. But it's the word Hades, which again, at that point, Christianity was young and it was just a general word for whatever's down there that isn't heaven. Okay. Is, is that helpful? Why didn't we change it to Hades? Because Americans don't make that distinction anymore. And there's no sin or no failure in that. That's just how it is. Language evolves. Uh, and good catechesis, theoretically, will help us with that distinction. So does that make sense? Are we all good? Yeah. So did Jesus go to hell? Ish. Uh, he went to the place where all the dead were waiting. And you think about like King David. Abraham, all those beautiful, Judith, uh, all those beautiful and holy men and women who lived before Christ, they were just sleeping and waiting. And they were waiting for a voice they knew, and they knew that voice because they followed it their whole life. Okay. Um, a loved one has left the Catholic Church and is now practicing New Age. This has actually strengthened my faith. Their faith. Sorry. Huh? I mean, pardon? Oh, this has strengthened the faith of the person who bugged out? Yes. Okay, I got you. Is this oppression, possession, or both? Okay, uh, possession's a funny thing, and it's a lot rarer than TV would have you believe. Okay, uh, oppression is the idea that we invite evil spirits or draw them to ourselves, not in us, but around us. I don't know. Um, and I'm going to be candid, and it might sound a little judgy. So if it seems off to you, ignore me. Okay? There's a way to appear to be spiritual by just being nice, right? And nice is good. Nice is important. Um, but uh, humans can pull off nice. Holy is a different thing. Nice is a part of holy, but it's not the total of it. And you may remember, I, I, I just did a homily on the devil, what, three weeks ago? And I talked about how, well, always the first shot's the good one. The devil's never going to come and tempt you with evil. He's going to tempt you with a good. Look at how we tempted Jesus. Oh, you're hungry? Hey, you can turn these stones into bread. Jesus could have. And then he wouldn't have been hungry. He would have got an immediate answer to his problem. An immediate answer is usually the wrong one, huh? We're made to suffer. We're made to suffer. Remember that. We're the only things God made that can suffer and think about it and find meaning in it. Huh? You she said... No, launch that missile, woman. She said it strengthened her faith in praying for the new ager. Oh, my lady. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'll tell you what. Anytime we get desperate, we get holy. Yeah? Um, that's a part of our fallen nature, but it also, God made it work for our good. That when we're hurting or someone we love is hurting, we pray more than when everything's rocking. That's just how it is. Um, and on one level, we obviously want to grow beyond it, but we don't need to. God will take it. You get me? Um, yeah, groovy stuff. Prayer always make prayer is how the soul breathes. Yeah, prayer is how the soul breathes. And you were not made for you. You were made for God and for others. And so by you praying for someone else, that's even more of a strengthening of your beautiful heart. Isn't that cool? Um, man. Uh, in the middle of these serious topics, I have a qu to ask if you watched Michigan basketball last night. Yes, I watched their version of basketball last night. Uh, and actually, I did cheer for them. Dad and I both were um, once, uh, we wrote Big Ten, except Ohio State. And once uh, State went down, 
we said, okay, it's all about Purdue and Michigan. And ugh, I even hate saying that. But we rooted for them. We were hoping they would win. I don't think they have anything to be ashamed of. I'm serious. They played. They just they went cold, and it happens. These are boys, right? These are little boys. They're big. But, I mean, they're still boys. And, um, gosh, they have nothing to be ashamed of, if you ask me. Uh, yeah. Ugh. I hate saying nice things about Michigan. I do. Oh, we have a Michigan fan here today. Pray for her. Pray for her. We're picking on you. I'll behave. Okay, we all love you, Father. Oh my gosh, I love you too. Thank you. We all love you, Father Joe. I'm going to make holy crap, really? Oh, I'm going to make my first confession in over 30 years because of you. You made my day. You're dead. Um... You know, part of it, to me, I went years without confession. I did. And then I went because I had to. <laughs> right? When you're in seminary, they're like, yeah, your confessor is right here and he's available now. Or did you want to leave? You know. Uh, um, yeah, well, that's the thing. See, when I was a kid, it was probably like confession when you were a kid. It was like McDonald's, right? You just walk in and forgive me, Father, five sins, blah, 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 get the heck out of here, kid. And it was, you know, and priests yelled at us. Did they yell at you? Did they yell at you? Yeah. Ugh. Um, so it just built up this thing in me where I'm like, no thanks. If I want to get yelled at, I might as well have some fun first. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, your dad laughs. Oh, my best line ever, seriously, was when uh, a priest asked me if I was going to be a priest, and I told him, No, if I want to be bitter, I want to be rich too. Because I thought all these priests were just bitter, angry, sad people. And I thought, If I'm going to be bitter, angry, and sad, I want to be rich. <laughs> I said that. Gosh, poor Jesus. Okay, so the ability. To go into a place where you are completely anonymous and to give God all that crap you're carrying around is so liberating. And like he wants it. Like your garbage is his treasure because more than you want anything, he wants you to know love. And... When we sin, it filters our ability to receive that love. His love doesn't change, but our ability to receive it does. And so what you're claiming for yourself in the name of Jesus is this freedom and this brush with love, right? Look at when, when Jesus, the first time Peter met Jesus, it says Jesus just stood in Peter's boat. Peter's fishing. And Jesus is in the front of his boat talking to people on shore. How you doing? I'm the son of God. He had a warm-up routine. So I said to her, lady, that unleavened bread is rising. Boom, psh, you know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Try the lamb. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Try the lamb. It's tender tonight. Don't forget to tip your waitresses. Uh, so anyway, Jesus is teaching. Peter clearly is hearing him. And then what happens? Peter's response, and I love this, was it said, he fell at his knees and said to Jesus, Get away from me. I'm a terrible man. And that Jesus' response wasn't say to him, Oh, no, Peter, you're a good person. You know, he just said, Follow me. I'm the cure, man. Right? Follow me. That um, I think you'll just have a great moment. I do. And I'm so excited for you. And uh, yeah, you. Okay. Would you please explain your shit? Your shit. Yes, SPQR. So this is uh, what Roman legionaries wore. Um, it's a symbol of the Republic of Rome when it wasn't really a republic anymore. SPQR. So Senate, Senate and the people of Rome, right? Because Romans always put the and on the end of the second word. Uh, so that's what it stands for. Roman soldiers would tattoo it on themselves, uh, usually here, right? Or... Um, and, of course, their tattoos were a little rougher than ours. Uh, and they had shirts that said SPQR on it. Um, and it just, the Senate and the people of Rome. And there wasn't a Senate anymore. This is off topic. But you mentioned meeting Keanu Reeves. What was the story behind that? It was his, what? You oh. have somebody's attention. Well, yes, what? I did. Well, yes, I did. I, I meet him. I met Will Smith. What? Yeah. I love him. 
Matrix. Oh, I'm telling you. And Keanu Reeves, this is the funny thing. You know how he talks in movies? This is, honest to God, his first words to me. Well, hello, father. <laughs> he did. Because I was wearing my cassock, right? And he came, well, hello, father. And uh, no, lovely. Honestly, one of the two best people I met in that world, uh, him and Will Smith, were just two of the most authentic, kind, uh, oddly humble uh, people I met. What was that for? One of his movies uh, where there was an exorcism. Um, so, I mean, you were working. Yeah, I, I was working on a, the, the helping with that. Uh, there was a Constantine. In the movie Constantine, he attempts an exorcism. <laughs> uh, and he did it right. You're welcome. Uh, but lovely guy. Uh, really. And I mean that. And like... You might think, well, of course, it's public. Oh, no. Like, a lot of the others that I met, ugh, uh, he was just lovely and thoughtful. And I'm serious. Like, I saw him at one point bring coffee to a camera guy. Like, he went out for coffee and never said a word, didn't make a show of it, was just coming back. And I was like, dude, you know, the others have, you know, 10 people flitting about them, you know, wiping their nose. Um, yeah, lovely dude. And he's tall. They're all so short. Everyone in Hollywood is crazy short. Uh, he is tall. I'm 6'1", and he at least had an inch on me. Um, yeah. Yeah, lovely guy. Uh, how do I go about getting... Are we doing all right? Are people happy? Yeah. Are they leaving? No. No. Okay. Um, pardon? No, I was kidding. I okay. said four o'clock, but that's okay. Okay, you four. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Nobody panic. All right. Recently, I received a booklet. I'm gonna cough. <clears throat> From the Companions of Saint Anthony, that has a piece of cloth that claims to have touched a first-class relic of Saint Anthony Padua. What are the chances this is a second-class relic? What if I throw the booklet out? You can throw the booklet out. <laughs> right. Unless the cloth is in there, I don't know. Uh, but the cloth you should save. Um, I do. I would assume it's a third class relic, which is still lovely, you know. But either if you don't want it anymore, bury it or uh, burn it. Or I guess those are your only options. If you live around here, anywhere in the South Flint area, bring it to us. We got a whole big box of stuff. Um, I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of how some of these religious orders do fundraising by mailing out things like that. Because I think it puts you in a spot and it feels very manipulative to me. Um, but what do I know? Since baseball's back, who your ti who's your tiger, Candelario? Uh, I am, uh, well, first, Miguel, right? Well, Miguel. You didn't read it, the whole thing. Oh, who do you like in the bullpen? Um, uh, well, first, who's my tiger? It's Miguel. I would, like, take a bullet for him in the leg, like the fleshy part of the thigh. Um, or the buttocks. Okay. <laughs> I said that. Remember the 55-gallon drum of coffee? <sighs> okay, so, and I love Candelario. I, I just think that man's a freak. I'm so excited about Javi Baez at short. I hear they're going to put scope on second. I think that would be the best move possible. When we got him from the Twins, uh, Jonathan Scope was rated one of the top defensive second basemen in baseball, and we put him on first. And I get it. Uh, we needed him at DH, but anyway, blah, blah, blah. I, uh, I have high hopes for us. In terms of our bullpen, um, who do I like? I love Soto. I know he's insane, and I know he's unpredictable. But when he's on, he's unhittable. Uh, and in fact, if you go on YouTube, I just saw this last night, um, and I don't know how to find it. Someone sent it to me. <laughs> I'm not the best at this stuff. They show you, they put a camera on a catcher's helmet right here, like a mining light, yeah? And then they had a major league pitcher throw a 98-mile-an-hour pitch. You can't see it, right? Hitting a major league pitch is the hardest uh, athletic thing to do. Um, and it does just blow me away. And there's Soto blowing 99-mile-an-hour, 100-mile. It's just like, that's freaky to me. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for us. We are going to finish at least second. I just said that. And the twins loaded up. Did you see the twins? Uh -huh. I hate them now. Okay. 
You would think everyone in the American League Central would be like, no, no, it's Tiger's turn. They're trying to win. Did I answer the Anthony question? Yeah. Okay. How do I go about getting rosaries and medals blessed? Did I do that one? Not yet. Oh, just ask your priest or deacon. Yeah. Uh, another way to do it, uh, if you can't get, because I know some of the priests are a little weird, but uh, if they won't, you can dip it in the baptismal font. I did that when I was, uh, we had a priest who wouldn't bless things because he was an idiot. But um, we would dip them. I meant jerk. He wasn't an idiot. He was actually really smart. But I dipped, uh, I would dip the thinger in the thinger. Yep. I can't make talk. What words am I trying to make? Dip the object in the baptismal font. Why does the church have their own lawyers and judges? Well, we're our own country, right? Remember, the Vatican is a country, an 11-acre country, uh, and it's the last absolute monarchy in the world, I think, um, which is weird to think of. But we have our own post office. If you go to the Vatican, they have mail trucks and they have their own police force. And I can never pronounce the word. Cops. They have, uh, and then we have our own legal system. Um, Our legal system is a funny thing. I'm going to look and see if I have the law book here. But it really is crazy. If you look at, nope. Um... I do have a Kung Fu lunch pail, though. And don't I have an Ichiro license plate somewhere back there? Oh, this is still my favorite possession. No signs allowed. Isn't that the greatest thing you've ever seen? Really? And it's even got Braille. No signs allowed. Have you seen they have Braille on drive through Windows at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, really? Somebody pointed it out to me, and I got a buddy who's who's blind, and I, I keep meaning to ask him, what is that? Like the drive-up window. Like someone's going to drive up and do the Braille. I don't get it. Hopefully not around, yes. Okay. Why are we talking about this? Oh, law, canon law. Okay, so the yeah, it's somewhere in this. Yeah, uh, we have a law book. It's very thin. The church is, the church has this kind of background hermeneutic behind the law, and it goes like this: Never pass a law you do not have to pass. And to give you a sense of things, uh, my sister Heidi, I don't know if she's, if, is she on today? Do you know? Okay, Banana, if you're on, uh, let me know how many it is. But I think it's like 800 statutes in our whole law. Uh, why? Because the law can get you in trouble, right? If the law says, well, don't do this, you know, if the law says, don't pick up these headphones, somebody at some point will run into a situation where they have to, where common sense says, you've got to pick up those headphones. And then somebody else will see it and say, you're breaking the law. And then somebody else will see that and say, well, that's not what the law means. And then we'll get five more laws, right? Don't pick that up unless it's Tuesday and raining and your mother's maiden name begins with a vowel, right? There's always going to be exceptions to laws. And if you look at America, part of our trouble is we demand those exceptions be made law. It's part of our self-obsession. So the church is super careful about making laws. If you see a law, it was a problem at some point. Uh, That's the rule. That's called the hermeneutic of suspicion. And our laws are different. Oh, there's Banana. She just wrote me. Okay. She said, oh, okay, she says 1,752 individual statutes for our 2,000-year-old, 1.2 billion living member church. To give you a sense of things, the tax code is 20 books that wouldn't fit on this table for the U.S. So it's a tiny amount of loss. Thanks, Banana. Um, and by the way, did I tell everybody what Heidi's doing now? I think you did, but you can tell them again. Okay, I'm going to brag because my sister's a goddess, and yours is probably good or whatever, but it's not mine. My sister is now head of the tribunal in the Diocese of Lansing. Is your sister head of the tribunal in the Diocese of Lansing? Oh, mine is. 
I work an eight hour day at the hot dog stand. What is the maximum amount of hot dogs you should eat that day? You should probably leave one. <laughs> right, because what if a hungry person comes along? And you can split it with them, and you can have the other half. But to me, they would fire me, because I would not be certain. People would be like, I'd like two hot dogs. Sorry, we're out. Next question. <laughs> and, why and we wouldn't be out. They'd be like, I see 50 behind you. Those are mine. Any other questions? Any follow-ups? Yeah. I can sell you chips. Oh, I'll sell the, what is that one chips everyone sells? And I'm like, why do you do the vinegar and sea salt? salt? Oh what is that? Salt and vinegar. Salt and vinegar. Like who? So good. What? My favorite. <gasps> okay, we're fighting. We're fighting. They smell like feet, but they're good. They smell like your feet? <laughs> Not mine, but just feet in general. Oh, feet in general. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. They were like, that's a curious thing. Okay, so they smell like human feet? Oh, okay. I don't know if you know this. Feet freak me out. Like, there's this thing, we were just talking about this Wednesday, yeah. right? That priests on Holy Thursday in our church, like, all these people line up and I'll wash their feet because that's what Jesus did for the disciples. <laughs> just leave it at that. Yeah, that was good. Tell the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I do because I hate it so much? I'll kiss their feet when I'm done. Oh, God. Just because I'm like, I, and you know what my other Latin penance is? Have you noticed this at Daily Mass? I've been doing, there's those three options, right? Uh, and one of them is save us, savior of the world. I never do that one because I think it's the stupidest translation ever. It sounds like a joke. Save us, savior. Right? No? I'm alone on this? So in my 24 years as a priest, creeping up on 25, I've never done that one till this Lent. And I thought, I hate it so much, I should do it. Save us, Savior. Don't you want to giggle? Seriously. Superman us, Superman. Do you find that? Uh, no? Is that just in my head? That's in my head, isn't it? Do you find it weird? You don't find it weird. You don't find it weird. Well, yes. You do find it weird. Do you find it weird? No. Dad, do you find it? Do you? Oh, Dad passes. This is what marriage does to a man. It makes him rational and disciplined. <sighs> oh my gosh, it's after one. Do this, I? This huh? Is, this is the, the. Oh, the top one? No. Oh, Gara Man. Gara yeah, Man. I can't say that word. I got you. Right. But it's what the cops are in the yeah. Vatican City, not the Swiss Guard. The Swiss Guard are the Pope's personal bodyguard. Right? Then nice if you want, if you haven't, huh? They're kind of like the Secret Service. They're yeah, they're the Secret Service. Right? And if you want, I did a whole show on the Swiss Guard and how they became the protectors of the Pope by literally laying down their lives for him way back in the day. And if you get a chance, I think it was one of my better shows. I do. And it was called The Last Stand of the Swiss Guard. Uh, great stuff. Um, okay. I am tired. It was a crazy day this morning. Uh, but a big part of it, I got to meet Dr. A.A. Ron, who's never heard that joke before. And uh, we will get him on the show. So if you have more questions about Russia, Ukraine, uh, Slavs, Slovaks, or partridges and pear trees, uh, then be sure and submit them. And I see your question about the devil, by the way. Should I do it? I don't know. I'm tired. Okay, the God, would God forgive the devil? Sure, he just can't receive it. The, God loves the devil. The devil is incapable of receiving it. That's the shortest way I can think to say it. Um, and why can't the devil receive his mercy? He's that broken. Yeah. Um, pride and all that nonsense. Okay. the force is strong in me. So what we'll do now is I'll do a closing prayer. Then on Wednesday, I assume we're going to do Foundations episode 20, uh, where we're going to look at how the actions of Jesus fulfill the Old Testament. We looked at how the birth of Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. We'll look at how the actions of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus fulfill it. And if we have time, we'll get to how the death of Jesus does. Um, in terms of the resurrection, Nobody saw that coming, which is really wild to think about. 
right? The Old Testament prophesies a lot, and it's so cool to... Th- anyway, shut. So those are our next topics. Uh, uh, guest who up at the top. Oh, 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 I'm so excited. And then on guest who, we're going to have Lyric Walsh here. Do I say doctor? No. No. Okay. Lyric Walsh is one of our parishioners, and she has a lot going for her. One, what an awesome name, Lyric. That's her name. And if I had a daughter, I would name her Lyric. Two, Lyric is a goddess. Uh, I love her. This is a holy and amazing woman. And she is a midwife, and she's uh, working at Luke 52, right? So part of us being pro-life people means we're not just about, we got to end abortion. It means we're going to moms and saying we are here. And that's what Luke 52 does. Any mom who's expecting and needs help, they take care of uh, medically, uh, all that kind of stuff. I love these cats. So I can't wait for you to meet her and to see what it's like that I get to be her priest. Right? I think that all the time about being here. I love being your priest. Poor you. I don't know what you did. So uh, that'll be next week. And then on Friday, we'll do our question and answer. Now, at some point, we hope to have some kind of thing with Dr. A. A. Ron, but we can't figure out the tech. And some of it's because Carrie's drunk. There tends to be a one-hour window where she's sober on Saturday, so we're going to go after it then. It's between 8.30 and 9.30 a.m., give or take five minutes. Has anybody yelled at me for saying you're drunk lately? Not yet. Okay. You know she's not. This is just my stupid joke. What? Uh-oh, I'm getting this. Oh, no, this is... <laughs> this is stop this is it? about the time that... Luke, hashtag? That Genevieve puts up hashtag Team Carrie. Team Carrie. That's what we should put on the team... T-shirts. Team Marius. Team Marius. Team Carrie. Pray. Time to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for Marius. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, we're so grateful that we get to be together. Thank you for our Holy Father giving us that prayer of consecration. And what we ask for first is faith in the power of prayer. We spend so much of our time doing, Lord, that we forget about being. And prayer is one of those moments where we stop trying to do and we give it to you. So thank you for that. And we ask that the prayer we made today, the prayer of millions of Catholics all over the world today, that it bear great fruit in delivering the people of Ukraine from the scourge of war. Lord, you are a mystery to us. You are a wonder. And I think the most amazing thing is your relentless love. And may we soak in that today. Oh, and today in particular, also we're grateful for Mary's yes. And we ask that you help us say yes for whatever you ask of us so that we can give birth to Jesus wherever we go. Lord, you know those people in our lives. We love them so much and we worry about them. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that we fret about. We give all of them to you, Lord because we love you and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Alrighty then, we'll see you people next week when we launch this missile on Foundations, episode number 20. Is it over? Oh, it's never over.